This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week, I am joined by a few guests to talk about one of Amva's latest products, the update to our license plate standard. And I am joined by Chuck Hollis, an assistant administrator with the Rhode Island Division of Motor Vehicles, Marcy Coleman from the Amva team, and Brian Orsino from the Amva team. Um, everybody, welcome to this episode of the AmvaCast. Thank you. Thanks, Ian. Yeah. Thank you, Ian. So, license plate standard. Um, Chuck, you were on the first working group as well that created the original license plate standard. I was on the 2020 committee yeah. uh, working group, and then I was on this committee as well, and it was a fantastic project. Um, as you know, as technology changes, things need to be updated, mm-hmm. and with this standard, we took into effect all the new updates with products, with uh, codes, um, and it was a great working group. We had a diverse um, group from all over the United States with their input. So it was wonderful. As with anything, I learned a lot mm-hmm. with this session as well, with this working group from the other states. Yeah. From a jurisdictional perspective, why, why do you think um, an update was needed? You know, you were part of the, the last version and you saw this version. From a jurisdiction's perspective, why would you recommend your peers to really key in and take a look at what's different in this edition? Well, again, you know, we had Texas as part of the group and yeah. we learned about what they were doing with their temporary plates. Mm-hmm. Um, we had um, Illinois that was part of the group and they told us how they handled their charity plates. Mm. So it was all new information that we didn't have prior in the, okay. in the earlier edition. So it's nice that we updated it. We It's current. Um, and it, like I said, there was a lot of input from all the members of the working group. Yeah. So um, for any of you, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, the fundamental standards that were in the 2020 edition for design and production of a license plate, um, some cleanup, but hasn't fundamentally changed, correct? Right, that's correct. We, we didn't fundamentally change um, the requirements. We got more into details, as Chuck said, about some of the new technology. We know more about digital license plates now, mm-hmm. um, so we were able to really uh, hone in on that. Um, some of the other products, such as license plate wraps, mm. uh, those were very, very new back in the 2020 group, but now we have a lot more information about that, so we were able to take a deeper dive on that. And, you know, uh, Chuck mentioned Texas and the temp tag issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everybody's learned quite a bit from Texas's um, Texas challenges. And we were able to utilize, you know, what they've learned, some of their lessons learned, and put that in the temporary plate section. So we really revamped uh, the temp plate section to not just talk about the plate itself, but really talk about, you know, looking at a temp plate program holistically. Okay. Who's allowed to, or who's authorized to distribute those plates? Who's allowed to have access to those plates? Those were a lot of the lessons that Texas learned. You know, Mm -hmm. once you really... um, tighten up and and limit the access to those plates to um, businesses that are licensed that are insured you know the proper entities that really need them to conduct their business you know and then also give the jurisdictions um, resources to 
audit and really keep track yeah. of those plates. So. so even though the document is called the license plate standard, what you're talking about here is really a best practice of business process right. for the issuance, control, and management of your TempTag program. Definitely, definitely. Uh, now, in that, we we're also seeing the, the crossover is we're seeing some conversation in the community about uh, some jurisdictions issuing metal temp plates. Yes. How does that fit into where this addition with the temporary plates um, is that consistent with that is that yet another evolution how does that come together i mean i think that is another evolution i would still say that the best practices and the standards with respect to temporary plates would still be applicable whether you're using a paper one or you're using because it's about the business process not so much the physical product correct correct okay. and we okay. would still expect that a state that's doing a metal temporary plate that their temporary plate would still look similar to temporary plates that you would see in the document. So it can't be confused for a visual appearance of a permanent plate, even correct, though it's on correct. metal. Absolutely. You do not want to have someone making that mistake. Yeah. If you were to just unpack a little bit more for me on this, the business process, mm -hmm. um, if you were to key into maybe two or three of the, of the points of the recommendations that if a jurisdiction goes in there and says, you may want to overhaul the way you manage your temp mm -hmm. process, Really make sure you do these two or three things. Number one, make sure that your temporary plate information is accessible by law enforcement. Have real-time accessibility. Because we learned that sometimes that hasn't been the case. Uh, many times that's not the case. Okay. Um, a lot of jurisdictions have kind of a standalone temp tag system that is accessible to DMV uh, employees. However, it's not available through NLETs or whatever the local um, authorities are using, which mm -hmm. is very problematic. Yeah. Um, another thing that we would recommend um, is that you have the uh, same alphanumeric for your temp tag, uh, excuse me, sorry, that you connect the temp tag record to the full registration. So oh. I go off the lot, I have my brand new Volkswagen, mm -hmm. and I have temp plate AB123. Once I get that registered, we want to have a way of connecting that AB123 temporary tag is attached to that vehicle record Got so it. that at a later point in time, if there's any issue, any type of investigation that needs to be done, mm -hmm. the law enforcement's able to find gotcha. that. Okay. So, uh, Brian, Marcy also mentioned some new uh, content around alternative materials. Um, the stickers if you will the decals that's not the right phrase remind me what we're calling these wraps wraps let's start with the wraps okay. let's tell everybody listening what we're talking about with these wraps okay so a license plate wrap is a malleable adhesive license plate applied primarily to the front of a motor vehicle and the reason why those were created is because there are a lot of people typically with higher end or exotic type cars that don't like having uh, holes drilled into the front of the car for a license plate frame mm. and this of course only applies to those jurisdictions that are a two plate state right mm. um, and which by the way we support uh, so uh, these malleable adhesive wraps have been developed as an alternative to having to drill holes into the front of a car mm -hmm. and I'm often asked as to whether uh, AMBA supports those or not and I give the very clear answer of it depends <laughs> and what I mean by that is, is what's really key and important is that license plate remain readable both by license plate reader technology and to the human eye, eyewitness accounts and so forth. And so why I say it depends is depending on the type of car, the shape of the front of the car, 
and it's malleable um, and forms to the shape of the car if, it, if it's so deformed that the license plate can't be read by an LPR mm -hmm. or by a human eye, then no, we don't support it. Mm -hmm. But if it's uh, applied in such a way that it's readable, then yeah, sure, no problem. So does the new document give the guidance that if you're using a wrap, here's the way to design or produce the wrap so that it can do exactly those things? We, we don't. We, we don't do that. We just stress the criticality of ensuring that the license plate is readable. Mm. Um, and if I'm, if I may go further with the digital plate, yeah, well, that's was going to be my next question. Oh, well, so if, if, if one is one new product is the wrap, another new product that we go deeper on is the digital plate, this electronic display of a license plate. Thank you. And, and you touched on one of the things I want to cover because for our listening audience, a lot of times people hear the term digital plate and they uh, confuse that with a digitally printed standard license plate. Oh, okay. And that's not the case. We need to make sure that people understand when we say digital license yeah. plate in the context of our standard, we're talking about an electronically displayed license plate, much like um, uh, an iPad or something. Right, device an iPad that, screwed to the that's right, front of the car. In the shape of a license plate, the standard <laughs> shape of a, a metal plate. Uh, but it, it does electronically display the license plate number and all other required data fields. Mm. Um, the other point I want to make is that the general license plate standard, all those standards apply to the digital plate unless it's specifically noted otherwise in our standard. But then we also have a section specific to the uh, alternative license plates, more specifically the digital license plate, that apply only to the digital license plate. And the other thing I wanted to back up towards the beginning and make really clear to our listening audience is this document, Edition 3, um, uh, it was really two parts. There's the standard itself, mm -hmm. and then part two are all the appendices, best practices that Marcy was speaking of. Those are best practice recommendations that follow the actual standard that we would really like the jurisdictions uh, to follow as much as they can. And, and why is that important? The, the whole original reason for license plate is to connect the vehicle to a record, mm -hmm. to be able to identify the vehicle, yeah. not just for law enforcement, although that's you know, critically important to me and our law enforcement community, um, but uh, we've kind of drifted away from that with special interests mm -hmm. and specialty plates and design, right. graphics. Um, and in our standard, I'll, I'll finish with this uh, for now, our standard gives jurisdictions the absolute freedom um, to maintain their sovereignty and to design plates and have graphics. We just want them to do it in such a way that it does not interfere with readability. Yeah, yeah. And though I want to dive a little bit deeper on the electronic plate because I think there is a lot of interest and curiosity about it. We have jurisdictions that are piloting programs. Um, what, what do you think, and this is right, any of you that want to jump in here, what do you think it is about it? Obviously, there's the, the cool, this is neat kind of thing about it. Um, but I think the jurisdictions that are looking at piloting, obviously, they see a promise of something with a digital electronic display of a plate that what we've done for decades up to now, you know, that this could have a new benefit. So if I could jump in first, sure, and yeah. of course anyone sure, can talk, yeah. but um, uh, in, in addition to, um, we didn't know enough about them, but we, we broached the topic and we, all we did, we talked about the known advantages and disadvantages that we knew at that time. Yeah. Now in addition three, we, like I mentioned, have already, we have developed specific standards for the first time. But we created a new appendices and expanded on um, what's, this is what's great about them and these are some yeah. outstanding challenges. And so to your point, some of the, the, 
the, the advantages that would make them appealing is number one, um, the ability for real-time information. So if the license plate is, if the DMV has to take an action, you know, suspend the license plate or, or if they didn't renew the registration, they can immediately push out a banner that displays right. on the license plate uh, expired or sure. suspended. And sure. there are other things that they can push out. And I'll, I'll use the, one of the best examples, although there are many, Amber Alerts. Yep. Um, and they can push out a banner right on the plate that says Amber Alert. Um, so, and I invite you guys to add to all that. I, I think you covered it. I, I think, it, again, we didn't know as much about the product in 2020, and we've learned a lot more. I know California was a leader um, in this uh, plate. So, again, it's a living document that needs to be updated yeah. periodically mm -hmm. as technology emerges. And this uh, um, digital plate has evolved in the couple of years since we first introduced it into the um, standard. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you mentioned that with the wrap, it, we advise it to only be used as a front plate. Correct. First, let me ask you why. It actually was developed with the intention to be a specifically an alternative to the front, for the front plate, for the reasons I stated. People don't like drilling holes in the front right. of the car, and it's not intended to be uh, the back of the plate. Um, our, our standard recommends that only the metal standard plate or the digital plate be used on the rear. And, and to that point as well, digital plates are not intended for the front of the car. So that was going to be my next question, if That's there's right. a you know, similarity right. of where the digital plate should and be. And one of the reasons for that is, well, there's two real fundamental reasons why the digital plate's not intended for the front of the car. Number one is cost. The digital plates are substantially more expensive than a standard metal plate. Yeah. And so that'd be double the cost. Um, and secondarily, there's some question about its durability on the front with it, you know, taking uh, weather, rocks, uh, I mean, things yeah. like that. So there's durability questions. So even the manufacturers of the, of the digital plates say they're primarily intended for the rear. Interesting. And the wraps are intended for the front. So theoretically, you could have a vehicle with the digital on the back and a wrap on the front and no metal at all. Haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure, I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure it's coming. It will be there. <laughs> On these alternative materials, how much is the um, aluminum shortage driving or part of this conversation of maybe we need, with, and not necessarily the wrap or the digital plate, but the idea that the age-old piece of metal may have to be rethought. Is, the, is that aluminum shortage conversation still happening in the community, or have we seen that die down a bit? I think it has died down. I know there was that supply chain issue. Yeah. Um, our state was going through re reissuance. Yeah. So we were replacing all our state-issued plates, and we had to postpone it because of the aluminum shortage. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't had an issue um, in the past year, um, but you know it could happen again. We looked at alternatives of what we were going to use, and once upon a time, um, the Rhode Island DMV actually issued plastic plates. Um, mm. which <laughs> didn't last long. <laughs> so I think as, again, as new things come out, uh, states were going to try them. Industry will bring them to our attention, um, and we'll see how they work. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you mentioned earlier not to confuse electronic plate with a digitally printed plate. Will one of you explain to our listeners what a digitally printed plate is? Sure, we're using that right now. <laughs> yeah. um, it really is a flat plate that is digitally printed. So... It comes off the machine, it's applied, um, and that's basically it. It's not embossed, it's not electronic, it's just digitally printed. 
Okay. And why, you know, using Rhode Island just as a quick case study, what was the impetus to change to that type of manufacturing as opposed to the traditional metal with the raised characters that most people are used to seeing? The flexibility of producing the plates. Okay. Um, we used a lighter aluminum, um, and it allowed the cost to be down for us. Um, it, the production is easier and quicker. Um, and in our case, uh, with our reissuance, the plates were produced and mailed to the customer. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have to come in and, and get the plates. Um, with um, our current vendor that produces our plates, sometimes if it's hot, they don't produce plates. Sometimes they don't have enough staff to produce mm -hmm. the plates. So um, this is more controlled. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't even going to think to ask you about this, Chuck, but since you're, you're here, we're talking about license plates, um, I want to say maybe about a year and a half ago, I did a podcast with Bud Craddock, your, your boss, the yes. administrator in Rhode Island, about your public contest to redesign uh, the Rhode Island license plate. Yes. Um, and now it's been a little while where it's been circulation. Um, what's the update in terms of public acceptance, reaction, excitement, issuance of that new, newly designed plate? Well, um, Bud probably elaborated, but we had over 900 entries into it. Yeah. And we whittled them down to 10 and then um, 5, and the public voted on this plate. So um, our previous state-issued plate was just a single wave. Mm -hmm. um, this plate that we are currently using has five waves on it that stand for the five counties in Rhode Island. Mm. Um, so it kind of carried on the, um, the love that people had for the wave plate, mm -hmm. but updated it to a newer version. Um, when I see the new plates on the roads, they're amazing. Okay. They look wonderful. Yep. Um, our Turnpike and Bridge Authority has complimented us on um, the readability of the plates mm -hmm. um, and the plate type which is very important. You know, we were one of the states that um, reissued the same registration multiple times, and it came into uh, problems for people who sure. had the current plate based upon the person who had it previously. Mm -hmm. So now we went to a new numbering system. Um, our plate types are bolder, um, but the public, you know, didn't like the wave when it first came out, and we call this new plate the ocean plate. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was a a little reaction in the beginning, but people are accepting it as yeah. well. Because Rhode Island is the, the ocean, ocean state. state. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Brian, Marcy, Chuck talks about a new plate and the feedback that the readability is better. Um, as, you know, Brian mentioned, the plate being readable, as folks look at these design standards and they want to know, how is my plate doing? Or I'm redesigning a plate and I want to know, is it, Am I following the standard? Am I not? Is it readable? What options do they have, Brian? Well, thank you for that softballing. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me uh, reintroduce our listeners to the AMBA license plate verification program. Yep. And that is a program whereby you can send up to uh, four license plates per AMBA fiscal year. And at no cost to the jurisdiction, we will have the license plates um, analyzed by an independent third-party laboratory and the jurisdiction within 30 days uh, will receive a written report line by line, standard by standard, saying that you are or are not in alignment with that particular standard. And it's a great report. I've gotten great feedback on it. Um, now, I mentioned the four license plates. There is no limit. You can send in as many plate designs as you wish. It's just the AMBA will only cover the cost for four per year if you want. And actually, some jurisdictions have already done this, where they've sent me more than four, and they've 
picked up the cost of mm. the additional plate analyses, so that has happened. And then there's also an opt-in feature. So the basic program is just that comparison to the standard and the report, like I mentioned, but there's an opt-in feature for readability um, in terms of uh, license plate reader technology readability, which again is not just important to law enforcement, also our tolling authorities mm -hmm. and other partners that rely on that technology. I'm excited to say that since we first implemented the LPR readability testing, we've expanded it. We uh, started with just one camera type operating at one wavelength, which was not representative of what's out throughout the country mm -hmm. in various applications, right? So now we actually use uh, three separate LPR types, a fixed mobile and off-the-shelf video camera that include um, three different IR spectrums and why that's important, and I'll mention them, 740, 850, and 870 nanometers. That's important because those three um, spectrums represent the majority of all LPR systems in use throughout the country by both tolling authorities and law enforcement. So you're getting a better uh, uh, testing representation um, of, of whether you may or may not have a problem with the readability of your plate from a perspective. We also test uh, the reflectivity mm -hmm. um, in addition to just general LPR. Now this, this testing is done in a laboratory environment, but we, but we do simulate daylight and total dark conditions in that lab environment. So they, they get all that feedback, daylight, darkness, reflectivity, and all three um, LPR reads. Nice. And so if someone wants to, you mentioned sending in the plates, where where should a jurisdiction go to get the details of uh, where to send it, who to send it to? Absolutely, amva.org. Uh, the license plate verification is easy. Uh, program is easy to find on the AMBA website. There's a very easy to fill out one page web form. And once you submit that web form, you'll receive in return instructions on how to enter. Yeah. I have to tell you, we used it for our new plate design. And then when we got the feedback, we went to our vendor to show them the feedback. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to adjust our plate based upon the license plate verification program. Oh, fantastic. Oh, and Chuck raises a great point because the other thing I wanted to mention is that if after a jurisdiction receives a report, there have been times where they've called with questions and I've set up a three-way call between myself, the laboratory, mm -hmm. and them to answer the questions that, that they had about the report. Yeah. And I guess in your case, if they want to, they could bring the vendor into that conversation as well so that everyone's getting the information and adjusting the product accordingly. Exactly. You know, we have to work closely with our vendors. Yeah. And they're, um, they're receptive to it as well. Sure, because they want to deliver the best product to you that, you know, is possible. And if there's this other objective third-party information that makes us all better, let's right. let's use it. Exactly. So, Chuck, you mentioned um, it being a living, breathing document. And so that the, the challenge of these, all these products to do, it's not particular to the license plate standard, you know, the of trying to make it timely, but then as soon as it's printed, things are constantly evolving. I'm sure the working group had conversations of, okay, we could already see what's coming next, what will be in addition for, not that you're working on it yet, but as you look at over the next few years, the continuing evolution of this conversation, where do you see, what topics do you think might need to be revisited or new areas that need to be explored? I think the security of the temporary plate is very important. And the lesson that Texas learned was they needed to do something different. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how they progress with their metal plates. Um, I think people are very creative, so we will be coming out. I can see in the future, maybe there won't be plates, maybe there'll be chips. 
maybe uh, they'll be an electronic s- identifier that exactly yeah so it, it all depends yeah you know but I, um, technology is wonderful mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely well uh, Marcy Brian do you have any thoughts in that in that area of terms of the evolution and what what might be coming on the horizon well Chuck hit it but I would love to add and give a shout out to our committee process because yeah. it's a uh, the license plate standard was really a partnership between the vehicle and law enforcement standing committees. And uh, as we learn this new information, it's the, it's the committees that drive the time you have, okay, it's time to renew this, this sure. product. So I wanted to give a shout out to our committees. Excellent. Excellent. Right. And I was going to say the other um, piece is our vendor community was very helpful in this whole process. Mm. We had one day where we brought in all the different vendors um, and had them talk to us about what the old standard looked like, what they thought needed to be updated in the new standard, and we were all able to learn quite a bit from them. Good. So it was definitely a helpful process. Anything else about the standard license plates we haven't talked about? I, you know, um, Not good for a podcast because it's a visual, but I have to share with you all that we've had this conversation about the license plate standards, and I've been uh, looking over at Chuck here who's next to me wearing a tie that is a um, compilation of all different images of, of different license plates. So he is uh, walking the walk as much as talking the talk. So, Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I know, I know it's not a great thing to point out on an audio format, but we're enjoying it here. Well, Brian, Marcy, Chuck, thanks for spending some time with me today to talk about the product. Um, By the time everyone is listening to this, it is available for download on the AMVA website. You can go and get the latest edition of the AMVA license plate standard. And feel free to reach out, particularly to Brian and Marcy, if you have any questions about what is in the document. Well, thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AMVAcast. Hosted by Ian Grossman. Produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.